All right. Welcome back to the big program. Canada has just scored to tie the game at two with a check with about three minutes left in the second period. Uh, time now for On the Mark. Uh, Powered by Booster Juice, uh, visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Happy New Year, Spec! Happy New Year, Kev. I was a little afraid of this Czech team. I happened to watch the Mm -hmm. game. I think it was the start of the tournament where they played the U.S. Did they go into overtime? Yeah. Uh, and they played them really hard and really well. And I thought, mm, like the U.S. is very, very good. I'm not sure Canada can match them, but uh, sounds like Czechs are giving them all they can handle here. Two-two, yeah, just uh, the tail end of the second period here. But uh, Canada was down uh, two nothing. I'll be honest, like I watched the Sweden game. Uh, I haven't been able to watch a full game in its entirety yet, and not this one. I would have watched this one, obviously, in its entirety. Uh, Did you get into the World Juniors as much as you had in years past, or is it just a a fact that people start kind of watching at this point a little more and more and more? Yeah, I mean, to me, it depends on uh, the time zone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I, I quite enjoyed, I watched a couple, I would turn it on at eight o'clock when I got up and was around, you know, I was at the cabin for the Christmas break, but it's, it's awesome to turn on your TV at eight and know someone's playing. Yeah. Uh, I must admit, I think I probably saw more of other teams in Canada just because it wasn't necessarily appointment viewing. I didn't hang around the house to watch Canada. I just turned it on whenever it was on. And I did see a lot of the States. Uh, and I saw a lot of Sweden. I did see a bunch of that Canada-Sweden game. I'm not sure, you know, hey, Canada's always good. We're always strong. We are always a, have the ability to meddle. Uh, I'm not sure I see the dynamic aspects in this team uh, that, that, you know, they seem to struggle to score. I think that's a pretty common opinion out there. So, you know what, they better find it, right, because they're in a – you know, this is only the quarters, and they're in a dogfight here. So uh, let's hope they can get past the checks. Yeah, and I think too, spec. It's just you know you don't have that marquee player or players. This is a little different uh, dynamic of a team. So I think people, you know, they get romanticized by a Connor Bedard at this tournament, or or a Connor yep. McDavid, or whatever. So th- it's just a little different this year when you don't have that those big big names. Okay, but that's fair, and you're right. I mean, Celebrini's the biggest name, and he's been productive. You know, I think he's been their best guy. So, you know, but the other, the reason Canada has such a an advantage over most of the countries, not all, but most, is our depth, mm-hmm. right? We're picking from such an elite, you know, the the hundred guys that they consider for this team are so much better than the hundred guys every other country gets to pick from. We don't know, you know, the States has their elite team that plays together, you know, a lot of the guys play together on that team out of Michigan all year, uh, and that's a huge advantage for them. But most of the countries, I mean, once they get past their 10th guy, they're struggling to find players that are good. Canada, there's no feeling sorry for Canada, Kev. We may not have <laughs> Connor McDavid this year, but we got depth every year that should give us a good team. Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet uh, on Sports 1440. So, Oilers in Philadelphia tonight. Uh, Oilers come in on a real roll. Winners of five straight, including three straight in California. What, and maybe now, I think at the end of the last year, we were kind of asking each other, what's this team? What is this team? And we were both going, well, no one really, <laughs> no one really knows yet. Well, maybe we're starting to find that. Is that fair? Yeah, I think they're they're... 
you know, they're checking for one. And it's, it's this old thing that they, they've always said, the Ken Hitchcocks of the world, if you check, you'll create your chances. If you play proper defensive hockey, the chances are going to come from that. And the orders have at times decided, uh, let's just skip the checking and defensive part and go straight to the offensive chances. <laughs> and I think we're seeing a team that's finally doing you know what it's supposed to do they're they're if you know sure they're scoring seven but they're only giving up two right with mm-hmm. their backup in net uh the game in in la was one of the best games i've seen all year it was playoff hockey i thought kev what a hockey game mm-hmm. that was i mean regardless of who ends up winning a shootout that's a coin flip but i thought that was a fantastic hockey game and you know, L.A. had their chances, and Skinner had to make some good saves, but I thought Edmonton really, really defended well and 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 muted a lot of what looked like were going to be great chances, defended their way out of it. So I like it. Listen, it's got to start back there. They got always enough offense, but it looks like they figured out what to do behind their own blue line for a while here. I was surprised L.A. didn't bring the forecheck as hard as the Kings did in the first period uh, to start the second. And maybe you have to give credit to the Oilers as well because, you know, the opposition's playing. The other team's playing too. But L.A., yep. I mean, they, they were bigger, stronger, and I was just saying – I don't know. The Oilers aren't made for for a team like this. Like, you know, that with Byfield and Kopitar and Kempe were on that forecheck. I mean, the, the Oilers didn't really have an answer. But as the game wore on, they were by far the better team. And I agree with you. That was just a fantastic game. And when you look at the Oilers' record now, uh, so again, 18-15-1, it's basically the same record as they had the last two years at this there point of go. the year. And 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 I mean the sky the sky was falling at the start of the year, so I yeah, mean that is crazy, isn't it? So yeah, it is crazy, and how, I don't know. I mean, I, what happened in the last few years? I guess we didn't have a an L.A. Vancouver like L.A. Vancouver and Vegas all started out so mm-hmm. well, you know, because if you had the same record, I don't remember being 14, 12 points behind those teams last couple of years. So, you know what? They got caught in a situation where they had a terrible start and the three teams above them had the best starts in years. And now, I mean, to me, there's still, I don't think this, is there any catch in third place in the Pacific, Kevin? Oh, yeah. Uh, There's no question about that. Uh, They're only eight points back of the Kings. So, you know, you obviously have to take care of your own business. The Kings do have a game in hand, but I, I still think that now that's a possibility. I'm not sure if uh, the number one or two hole is in there. But again, you said it's back. Vancouver got off to an incredible start. Vegas off to an incredible start. And the yep. Kings, the same thing too. So, I mean, there, there's some ground to be made up here, but they, I think they can do it. It's just a matter of kind of stringing some wins again together. Yeah, I'm not, you know what? I, I, I do come from the just make the playoff school here. I don't care. I don't care where you finish. When you're the Oilers, we're looking at a three-round team here, a four-round team. That's what I'm looking at. I'm not – I don't care if you have to play Vegas in round one or round three. Who cares? Mm-hmm. you got to beat Vegas to get where you're going. And if you don't beat Vegas this year, it's a d- disappointment no matter when you play them. So I don't you – know, there was a couple of years in the past where you'd say, man, I sure hope I don't have to come in and play that first-place team. But this Oilers team, their experience, they've been through the playoffs. I don't – it really means nothing to me who they play in the first uh, on their route because they're supposed to be able to beat. I mean, they've been beating L.A. 
They they think they should be able to beat Vegas. And Vancouver hasn't been in the playoffs for a decade. You should be able to beat Vancouver. And if you can't, then you don't deserve to get where you want to go. So mm-hmm. I don't care where they finish. Just make the playoffs. And, you know, so there's been a lot of teams over the years, a lot of first-place teams that didn't get to the Cup and a lot of eighth-place teams that did. I know that for sure. Sure. Well, the others did it in 06, and many teams have done it as well, as you mentioned. Uh, yep. How about Warren Fogle? Big five-point night against the Ducks. <laughs> oh. What a cool what a cool story, eh? <laughs> it's unreal. Like he's a, he is, and he's really, uh, you know, I was trying to think of it the other day. I, I think that you never know what you have in a player until you put your trust behind him. And, and he's been pinned on that third line and I had him there too. To me, he's been a third line player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I was of the same mind, mm-hmm. but you know, you take a guy and you put him next to Leon Dreisaitl. And I think the same goes for, for McLeod. And I think those guys feel a little bit of um, responsibility when you play with a player that great. You know, it starts with giving them the puck all the time. Then they get over that. But I think there's a responsibility to play with with your head up a little more and be a little more offensive-minded. What I've noticed most about Fogel, the puck's going in for him, but I've noticed he's got his head up and he's feeding McLeod in front of the net on those quick passes from behind. Uh, that's a player that didn't always have his head on a swivel, Fogel. I thought Fogel wasn't a guy that always had great vision. And here it comes. He's had fantastic vision, so good for him. You know what I see with both those guys playing with Leon Dreisaitl is sometimes if you're playing with a guy that is so good, like a Leon or a Connor, if you've got a, a puck and you've got possession and you're sort of battling down low in the offensive zone, and you've got an opportunity to make a play. But let's just, and no disrespect to other players on the team, but if you're going to put it into a position where that player might not win that battle, they're they're giving it to Leon. Going, Leon's going to win the battle. He's going to out yeah. muscle. He's going to he's going to position his body to win that battle. And they're probably making a pass to Leon where they'd probably go before. I'm just going to throw it into the corner, and we're going to work. We'll live to fight another battle in there. Instead, right. now they're they're going. I'm I'm playing with a guy that's you know top five in the world here. You know that's right. So that's right. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. So uh, what do you make? I of, think I think you got to sorry. I think yeah. you got to give Leon Drysaddle some credit. Oh, too. there are sure. players who would say, "Oh my God, you're giving me a couple third line guys. You're giving me a in McLeod, a guy that's mm-hmm. barely ever played the wing in the NHL. Has been a center." Like, come on, give me, you know, I want better players to play with. But Leon's helped these guys raise their game. And we've not seen McLeod play better hockey in his career than since he's been on Drysaddle's wing. And here comes Fogel. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we talk about most days often is this is Chris Knobloch finding a way to spread some responsibility and some talent throughout his lineup. And then Kane scores a goal coming off the third line the other day. And this is a better team. It's a better team when it's spread out. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, what do you make a goaltending situation here going into the new year? Stu Skinner, again, he was phenomenal against the Kings. He's the main reason they won that game. Uh, it could have been 4 5 nothing after 20 minutes. So what do you make of what the Oilers are going to do here? Uh, the month of January shapes up nicely again for them with game spaced out and uh, no back-to-backs, limited travel, things like that. So what do you make of it going forward? Well, two things. I mean, first of all, whenever you do play Calvin Pickard, he's just fine. Nothing wrong with, Mm -hmm. you know, the two goals that went in on him in Anaheim, 
he made a fabulous save on the one, and there, the Ducks player was right in front of the crease to put the rebound in. That's not his fault. And the other one was a guy walking down Main Street, wiring a shot from 15 feet, uncontested. Those go in on every goalie in hockey. So I got, I don't know why at this point, if you're keeping Pickard in a backup role, why, we got to find a better backup right now? He's just fine. And I think we've all stopped talking about how the Oilers always have the second best goalie on the ice when Skinner plays, right? Now they got the best goalie on the ice on a lot of nights. And, you know, let's let this thing evolve. They got an easy month this month. They don't play too many games. They play a lot of teams that aren't at the top of the tables. Uh, why are you going to try to fix something that's broke? What's the point here? I don't think that Jake Allen's coming available tomorrow for a really good price. So, I don't see why you'd try to fix anything here, Kev. It's it's Skinner and Pickard as a backup, and let's take it into Feb and see what happens. All right, Speck, thanks for this. Uh, are you going to be able to watch the third period here or not? Uh, yes, I will be. I'm just on my way home. I think I'll catch the third. Looking forward to it, man. On the way home, we're like still uh, festive celebrations. Like, did you go all night or something or what? No, 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 not at all, not at all. We stayed at the lake, and uh, I drive uh, Shelka in for work. She had to work today, and so do I. So we're ready to go, man. Back, had a really great break. Yeah. Totally rested, ready to watch some hockey here. And uh, if you can call what we do work, I'm ready to get back to it. Uh, you sent me a picture. How many trees did you cut down at the neighbors there? You just go to the neighbors uh, and then chop it. I don't go to, no, I didn't cut the neighbors tree down, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to go out there. Spec uh, to our listeners. Spec sent me a picture with all the trees that he was chopping down and doing his. Uh, you need to do some splitting. You can't just. Uh, I'll do some splitting. You yeah, can't don't just worry, season pal, that wood like that. Down. You know. You can't. You can't uh, chainsaw and split the same day. It's too hard on an old timer. Oh back. yeah. But, chainsaw today and you split next week, pal. I got lots of time. <laughs> I just <laughs> you when I picture you around power tools. I just. I don't see, like, I mean, I see the Duke around power tools. I don't see Speck around power tools. So, Thanks, Well, there you go. See, the many sides, Kev, the many sides. Yeah. It's like, like an onion. The more you peel back, the stinkier it gets. <laughs> Thanks, Speck. We'll see you down at the rink, big guy. All right. See you later. All right. That's uh, Mark Spector, uh, fueled by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at Booster Juice. Uh, check out the website. Check out everything. I could use a booster juice right now, Duke. I'm sure you could after, you know, a couple of tough days. Yeah, you can get those, like, uh, little energy boosts. They can, they can mm-hmm. put your protein powder and all sorts of stuff. At the, there's one just down the, like, just below us here. And uh, I, I actually quite often pop by on post-fantasy frenzy. Oh. Connor Halley and I take a little mall walk, so he's always grabbing a coffee. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm super content with the coffee we have here. Our Shawshank coffee at I'm the, fine at the with machine. It too. It's uh, it's I, I think it's perfectly acceptable. So I like to treat myself occasionally to something a little uh, a little on the sweeter side and get some uh, a booster juice to get me through my afternoons. Really uh, needed them last week with those Thursday Friday shifts. Well, I bet uh, you guys were warriors. <laughs> Our thanks to Sparky Kolchiski from the Oilers uh, for uh, terming the coffee machine here as a Shawshank Redemption coffee. Uh, when we come back, Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 822 in Edmonton, Canada. Check. Tied at two. Heading to the third period. Uh, time now for the headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to Mr. Reuter.com. 
Ca as we welcome in Frank Saraboli from the Daily Faceoff back to Sports 1440. Morning, Frank. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Kevin. When is it no longer culturally appropriate to to wish Happy New Year? Is it like the sixth or no, the seventh? I'll go all the way into January, the whole month. Come on, yeah, that, that's that is a straight Seinfeld episode. <laughs> it like, is a once straight you get Seinfeld. Past the sixth, if you wish me Happy New Year, like I'm I'm out. Uh, on a quick sidebar on that, Frank, I, if I see someone that I, you know, I know or whatever, and I've been doing this for many years, if I see someone in June or July, I always say, if I don't see you again, have a good Christmas. And they look at me like, you know, I'm from another planet and they go, well, I'll see you again before that. And then, but once you say it in December, if I don't see you again, have a good Christmas. And they go, same to you, same to you. So, you know, like when you're at the airport and you're like, you're either getting out of a taxi or you're checking your bag and they say, have a good flight. And you're like, you too. And then you realize <laughs> that they're not taking one yesterday for me. I'm, I'm walking through the rink. We had a holiday party for our team and I saw one of the dads on the team and I shook his hand. And I said, Merry Christmas. And then I walked there. I was like, what an idiot. Merry Christmas. Like that was a week ago. You moron. <laughs> what, what was his uh, response? He was, uh, he didn't know what to say. He's like, Oh yeah. Merry Christmas. I'm like, Oh God. Well, Just, Forget it. How how was the New Year uh, for you? What do you what do you do New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Frank? Nothing. I tried so hard to convince my wife with our two kids, seven and nine, to change the clock so that we could actually celebrate at ten. But the kids made it up past midnight, and uh, they loved it. They had their little you know confetti gun that they shot off at at uh, at midnight, and they had a blast. But oh, good. I mean. Not one sip of alcohol, no booze, just kind of sat on the couch, watched a little TV, a little country music, and that was it. Do you do uh, um, like a whatever, a January cleanse or whatever you want to call Jan? it? No, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. not that healthy. Yeah. Uh, I did uh, I did actually get on the Peloton yesterday for the first time in a number of months, so I was felt good about that. But uh, no dry Jan. I'm not – I actually don't – this is going to be shocking to people. I don't – I don't have any casual drinks at home. Like I have a fully stocked bar. Mm -hmm. If I don't have people over or if we're not doing something special, I don't, I won't just sit there and have a drink. I don't really see the point. Yeah. I, I'm kind of with you too. I used to like, I worked till midnight for 33 years and I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not coming home and sitting there, so I would never do it at home. So I'm on the same page as you. So uh, what do you make? Uh, let's just start World Juniors. I mean, uh, Americans play Latvia later today, but Canada and Czech tied 2-2 heading to the third period here. Boy, this could be one of the bigger upsets going if Czech could pull it out. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, though. Canada, they got their game in order in the second period there, as you saw, and I like the way the Czech started the game. You could see that there were some nerves for Team Canada. I think there's always sort of that, you know, shiver that sent up your arm if you're on that Team Canada team saying, hey, we don't want to be one of those teams that lets our country down, the proud tradition. And uh, there's so much pressure. The quarterfinals are such an unforgiving day. Mm -hmm. I've seen a couple and I've been there. I was in Vancouver when they lost in the quarterfinals. Um, I've seen them do it, but it kind of feels like, you know, once you get over the hump of the quarterfinal where it's do or die and then you get to the semifinal and you know that you have at least two games to go between the semi and either the bronze or gold medal game, that you kind of settle in a bit. I think there's so many nerves that go into that first quarterfinal game that once you get into the flow, you kind of figure your game out. And I think that's where we're seeing 
things happen right now for Canada. Yeah, I think the nerves are, are there, Frank. And then once you you get going, you, you sort of get into the game, get your feet wet and, and things like that happen. So still 2-2. They're just underway in the third period, Canada and Czech. The Americans will play Latvia later uh, today. And I mean... I would say that the Americans going into the the medal rounds here are the best team. Would you agree Mm -hmm. with that? Yeah, I think they came into the tournament to me as the clear favorite, even though for whatever reason, and maybe it's history, maybe it's whatever, but they weren't the betting favorite for a huge chunk of, you know, heading into the tournament. Um, I think they've got the deepest roster. I think they've got the best goaltending uh, you've seen them come together a bit. And the way that they sort of absolutely manhandled Slovakia was such a huge sign for me. I thought Slovakia, their best uh, preliminary round run that they've ever had, they came into that game and it was like, all right, we're going to find out what both of these teams are made of. And the fact that it wasn't close, I think, was a, a great positive sign for the U.S. You see Slovakia lose to Finland today in OT. Uh, the Finns were not very good in the preliminary round, and they sort of squeak through to the semi. Um, it's been fascinating from that perspective, but as much as I love the spirit and heart that we've seen from Latvia, who put uh, Germany on their heels and into that relegation game, um, I, I think the U.S. should steamroll Latvia, hmm. and then we'll see what happens when things recede for the semis. Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff on Sports 1440. Uh, what did you make of uh, the Winter Classic uh, yesterday in Seattle? You know, everyone seems to kind of poo-poo the Winter Classic now. I, just watching on social media, all the fans saying, oh, who cares, too many outdoor games, blah, blah, blah. I don't know about you, but I watched the game and it was extremely aesthetically pleasing. And we talked about this when it came to the heritage classic, when you are in the market, it really matters. And I think what that was to me in Seattle was a coming out party for a, a franchise that has turned Seattle into a hockey city. Um, you see the support from the other pro sports teams, the legends that were there from the Mariners and the Sonics and the Seahawks that all dropped by Marshawn Lynch and his involvement as a minority owner. Uh, they've really done a great job in, in just three short years of, of changing that city into a hockey town. I was just there a few weeks ago for uh, the Board of Governors meeting and you know just driving by different bars and watering holes, Seattle cracking neon signs out front. I mean, it, it really, in short order, has become that, and that's a big deal. And they get a chance to celebrate that with 50,000 people outdoors in what looked like a perfect environment. I, I also called some casual friends and, and non-hockey fans yesterday. Hey, what are you up to? Mm-hmm. The NHL found a sweet spot. Before the Rose Bowl, before the Sugar Bowl, they got hockey on, and people were watching. I'd be fascinated to see what the ratings are today, but I – suspect they're going to be quite good. I think it was the right time slot, as you say. You can be the tie-breaking vote here on the arrival outfits. Did you like the Elvis or the Fishmonger? It's definitely Elvis. Yeah! See? Seeing seeing some of those guys come in, just the full, like, Mark Stone, got the chest hair popping. Like, it was... the, The amazing part about the Elvis costume is that it doesn't really matter who you are or where you're from... They all seem to look alike, which is really quite amazing. 
There's so many movies when there's like, you know, all the, the flying Elvises and things like that. And uh, I, I just thought they, they were both great, but I, I like the uh, Elvis ones uh, a little bit better. Uh, professional, professional Women's Hockey League uh, faced off yesterday. Uh, New York and Toronto, 4-0 New York win. What do you make of it? Uh, what needs, and I mean, we're, we've only had one game, but in your mind, what needs to kind of, uh, you know, snowball to keep this thing going, moving forward? Well, I think it's going to happen naturally. I mean, look at the environment. You mentioned time slot yesterday. They had the perfect window again. If you sat on your couch yesterday from 1230 when the women's game dropped the puck all the way through midnight, you would have seen back-to-back-to-back four unbelievable sporting events between the PWHL, the Winter Classic, and then those two uh, college uh, playoff semifinals. They were unreal. Mm -hmm. And... I thought that was the perfect kickoff. And I what really surprised me and, and sort of universally for people, I don't watch a lot of women's hockey. I'm not a women's hockey fan. But I could be after watching that game yesterday because of how physical it was. I love the fact that there was hitting and that the league has decided for the most part that they're going to be okay with a lot of the physicality. That's a huge step up. But to me, the biggest thing and the reason why I had never really tuned into women's hockey before, and this is just me speaking totally honestly, is there were never the best women on the ice. It was always sort of factions of leagues that were going up against each other where you had the best players, for the most part, sitting at home. Now you have true best-on-best competition. You've only got a small handful of teams that make sense. They've got the proper funding. You've seen sold out buildings and not just for openers. Like you're seeing the second, third, fourth game of the season for the team in Ottawa selling out. That's a big deal. And they've got right sized venues. They could have sold out, sold a lot more tickets than they did in Toronto. Only 2750 was the attendance. You, you could have sold out an 8,000 seat building, but for the long haul, that's probably the perfect venue for them to be in. My one complaint or gripe, if I have one, is that I think the branding has been really lackluster. PWHL mm-hmm. Toronto, no logos, just some kind of vague colors. I'd like to see more from that point of view, but it sort of seems like there were so many things for this league to figure out. It was an absolute sprint over the last three to four months to get the puck dropped on this league and everything that went behind it. I mean, they just released their rule book yesterday in the hours before the the first game. There's been a lot to come together. So I'm looking forward to seeing it all happen. Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. Tonight, the Oilers are home to the Philadelphia Flyers. What can you tell our listeners about this Flyers team, 19, 12, and 5 coming in? And, you know, maybe one of the, if not the, surprise so far in the East. Definitely the surprise in the league. I mean, let me give you some perspective on how good the Philadelphia Flyers have been this year. Up until the last couple days of this road trip, Since November 10th, the Flyers had been the hottest team in the league, and that's almost a two-month stretch. So for some perspective, since I have the standings right in front of me, since November 10th, the Edmonton Oilers at 16-6 and have the best points percentage in the league at 727. They're tied with the Winnipeg Jets. The team in third place is the Flyers at 696. So you know how good the Oilers have been over this last chunk of time since they made the coaching change. Well, the Flyers at 14, 5, and 4 are right there. And what I'll tell you is 
There's no free space on the bingo card with them. They work, they compete, they are certainly lacking in talent, but they make up for it in work ethic and energy. And they've gotten great goaltending, whether it's been Sam Erson in net or Carter Hart or whoever it's been for the Flyers. Their goalies have shown up all year. So it's been a combination of all those different things. Sean Couturier coming back this season has been a huge boost for this team. And they've been fun to watch. But I've said it before, I still think it's nightmare fuel for a team that admitted before the season started that they were rebuilding. Hey, Frank, what do you make of Daniel Breer and what he's done? And maybe you could look at it the other way, what he's not done. Maybe a little more patient and let things evolve here. Yeah, I don't know that it's fair to say that he's been patient because he did make some pretty significant moves last summer. And some of them were cultural. Some of them were salary cap related. But he did trade Kevin Hayes to the St. Louis Blues. He did offload Tony D'Angelo. There have been other pieces that the Flyers have moved out. He sort of was a a really bold, if if you talk to some other people around the league at the draft floor in in picking up Matt Vemichkoff where they did, a guy who can't come over to North America to play until 2026. Um, So I think he's pretty methodical is the way that I would say um, to think about Danny Briere and his tenure to this point. Everything has a reason. He was involved in that salary cap dump, of course. Trading Provorov was another thing. Uh, They bring over Sean Walker and Cal Peterson from the Kings. Sean Walker's been excellent. He's a pending UFA, a nice trade ship for them. They've also got Nick Sealer, who's played the bulk of the year with Sean Walker. So, I mean, they've got some intriguing pieces as they get closer to the deadline. My big question is, for a team that's played this well – Maybe you're not going out and spending a bunch to add, but haven't they at least deserved to not have their legs cut out of Mm -hmm. them or off of them for the season? Well, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, If they can maintain this, uh, they're a playoff team. And again, once you get in, you never know what could happen. Uh, Frank, uh, thanks for this. What's on the go for the rest of the day? And uh, what do you got cooking on daily faceoff here in the next little bit? Just getting back in the flow. We've got our trade deadline season countdown coming. Uh, Once the calendar turns to 2024, the only thing I think about is trade deadline, March 8th. So coming on Monday, uh, it'll be two months to the day, and I'll have my first trade targets board of the season. So between now and Monday, or second trade targets board of the season, first of the calendar year, I'll be making a ton of calls to see what new names I can dig up for the trade board. Could be a busy time. Hey, uh, enjoy the uh, U.S. and uh, Latvia today, Frank. I know you'll be watching with bated breath. I will. (laughs) Thanks, big guy. Have a happy new year to you, too, and your family, Frank, and uh, good luck in 2024. Four days left. That's all you got, Kevin. You betcha, baby. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Uh, That's Frank Cervelli from the Daily Faceoff and our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. Check Canada 2-2. About 11 minutes left in the third period. Getting down to the nitty-gritty, we had one overtime game already this morning. Finland defeated Slovakia 4-3 in the quarters of the World Junior. As mentioned, uh, coming up a little bit later is uh, Latvia and the United States and then Switzerland and Sweden, the final quarter-round final game. Uh Still having some problems with our text line. Sorry, we wanted this was going to be a big texting day too. Hopefully, you can send us a text and we get it in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Just some problems. All I can tell you, it's a five hundred level 
what did you call it? 500 level problem? A 500 level error. Error. That's, I, that seems pretty high. Well, the only thing I can tell you about that, Duke, is that it's a lot more severe than the 400 level error. Once you get to the 500s, We're, there's problems. We've officially reached level <laughs> 500 in our error, and it's serious. Same so, thing on your end. Like, I mean, I'm looking, and it's just not. It's not load. Nothing's loaded. I uh, loading. was chatting with uh, yeah. Lord Commander or Supreme <laughs> Supreme Leader, pardon me, Jackie Ray, over at the CFCW studios, and it looks like they're having the same issue. So uh, obviously each of the stations here in the Stingray building using the same um, program service, uh, if you will, for kind of the text line um, uh, accumulation and uh, aggregation. I think we're all having the same issue. So we got our best men on it. And we're we're breaking it down as we speak. That's why I'm in here and not out there working on it because mm-hmm. we have our best people well, on I it. Well, I mean, exactly. Uh, Czech Canada 2-2 at the halfway point of the third. I just texted Ladislav Schmid, and I just did a simple text. Because uh, in case you're not familiar, Laddie's in Czech. He doesn't say Czechia. He just says Czech. He doesn't like Czechia. Uh, I asked him, are you watching the game, Laddie? And he has yet to respond, so I assume... That he's busy, busy watching the game. Doesn't want to jinx anything. Hoping for a check win, lad he is, I would imagine. But uh, halfway through the final frame, it's still 2-2. Things getting down to the nitty-gritty for Canada at the World Juniors. When we come back, some uh, open time with the Duke. Try to get the text line working. 9 o'clock will be Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times in our puck report. Uh, Big win for Seattle yesterday at the... Winter Classic, 3-0. Joey Decord, 35 saves. Shutout over Vegas. Ian Harrison uh, will check in at 9.20. Covers the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we will have our in and out segment as well. And uh, Jordan Hall from NBC S Philadelphia as we uh, preview the Oilers in Philly. The game of the day that's coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, still lots more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Coming up to 9 o'clock, 8.45 in Edmonton. 2-2, Canada and Czech. Under seven minutes to go in Sweden. The Canadians will need to pull one out to advance to the semifinals. And speaking of semifinals, those were two fabulous games. College football playoffs, I mean, it was hard to beat either one of them. First time, I believe, in almost 20 years that there will not be an SEC team in the national title game after Alabama lost to Michigan in overtime. I didn't, you know, uh, well, first of all, I'll take uh, total the total blame and I'll, full responsibility. I picked Alabama and Texas to go. Both teams lose, so how stupid am I? But I think a lot of people kind of went that way as well. Uh, the Duke, I think, in one of our in or out questions last week, said it would be Alabama and Washington. Um, I don't. I, I was surprised how Alabama handled a lot of things. If if you look at Michigan, had two muffed punts. The game. I mean, Michigan was the better team in this game. Alabama, I didn't like a lot of the play calling at certain times of the game. Sometimes it looked like they uh, were trying to expose some weaknesses, if you want to call it that, on the uh, Michigan defense. But really, at the end of the game, that defense in the front seven stepped up for Michigan. And uh, they had Jalen Milrow just pegged on that quarterback run on fourth down. I mean, he had no sniff. and I mean, there was... 
they didn't have the synchronicity between the center and Milrow, Milrow so many times uh, during the game. But it was uh, full marks for Michigan. They're going to the big dance where they will play the Washington Huskies. So, Duke, did you have a chance to watch both those games in their entirety, or what did you make? Even let's uh, let's talk with the uh, let's start with Alabama, Michigan. I mean, I, I was surprised the way that Alabama came out in this game. Had they not muffed that punt, that leads to the touchdown. Uh, I mean, they had an interception on the first play of the game or second play of the game. Guy's out of bounds by a hair. I, I just thought Alabama didn't play very well. I, I, that's my... my uh, I, I, when I look at the two teams, Michigan, yeah, they have a great team. I thought Alabama was a, has a great team as well and didn't play like a great team in a big game. Yeah, I think that was the worst we've seen uh, Jalen Milrow look um, probably since they lost to Texas earlier this season. You have to give Michigan a ton of credit mm-hmm. because it's kind of funny. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, Harbaugh, of course, being a special teams guy, um, well, I guess his brother's more the special teams guy, being him being a quarterback, but like the the special teams for Michigan is what almost cost them game even down to the the end of it right i mean that uh, they had a chance to win in regulation maybe if the the kick returner decides just to let that uh roll into the end zone and touchback tries to field it on the one uh muffs it again yeah. this game was a pretty standard what you'd expect of a Big Ten team, I think, playing in a in a playoff game and almost more of a throwback-style SEC game. We've seen lots of high-flying offenses coming out of the SEC uh, more recently, but this was a, kind of, you know, a battle of attrition at the line, and, and Michigan's defensive front, like you said, really got after Bama. Um, tons of low snaps, including on what was the deciding play of the game, where I don't think that was supposed to be mm-hmm. the original play call, where Miller just dives head first into what was basically... Uh, a High snap, uh, right? Yeah, it's it's it was not uh, not snapped cleanly, and certainly not in the bread basket where a quarterback would want it. And especially, like I said, the biggest play of uh, each of their young careers. So that so, that that game, Michigan was certainly the better team start to finish. The mm-hmm. fact they let Bama back into it in the second half is more of an indictment on them than an accreditation to what Alabama did, I think. Uh, I, I I thought the night game was way better, yeah. pretty well start to finish, obviously way more entertaining. Um, and I'm looking forward to the final. I know Michigan is currently four-point favorites heading to the Natty, um, and I'm sure we'll elaborate more on the Washington game in a second here. But I go after watching those two games, I am all in on the Huskies. I think they're a tremendous football team. If, if you were to tell me at the start of the Michigan-Alabama game that the Wolverines defense would have six, sacks and 10 tackles for loss and Milroy doesn't score a touchdown you and, said and, and they want it chance. yeah you tell you that and he's like oh Michigan blew him out no they won in overtime mm-hmm. so it, uh, uh, it was definitely closer than it should have been so again uh first time since 05 no SEC team in the national championship and this is the first time three straight seasons uh a Nick Saban team in Alabama will be without a championship. So the night game, as you mentioned, was, oh man, that was exciting too. Texas and Washington, a wild ending. I mean, uh, Michael Penix Jr., I mean, missed out on winning the Heisman, but he, I mean, he had over 400 yards. He was amazing. That was just a good game. That was a back and forth game right from the start, all the way through, enjoyable. And, and I mean, again, and Frank alluded it to, let's not talk about the two hockey games. Those, again, those are two of the best semifinal games you could ask for. 
Oh, without a doubt, especially yeah. when compared, like since the format started, there have been a ton of blowouts in semifinal games, uh, usually because the four seed. Um, there's always so much arguing about who should be in it as a four seed, but they usually don't even have a sniff against whoever's coming mm-hmm. out as a clear-cut favorite. But that's what was great about the college uh, ball season this year. There was no clear-cut favorite. I mean, if Georgia, after we saw what they did to, to FSU on Saturday, um, <laughs> we have to think they would have easily been in the mix on any of these games as well. How many guys did uh, FSU sit out? They, it was more than half their usual defense was not playing between injuries and opt-outs. I mean, what, I, I, well, we're going to touch on that a little bit more Georgia, during yeah. uh, during in or out, uh, both oh, okay, uh, both uh, Saban and um, kind of the opt-out situation of bowl season. I think we'll elaborate more on that later in the show. Um, but Michael Penix Jr. was kind of profiled out. I mean, he's 24 years old already, obviously uh, an old college player. He was, I think, a like he's certainly going to be drafted, mm-hmm. but I think probably uh, not necessarily a highly touted one uh, because of his age and time already spent in college. After what we've just seen from him and his ability to throw the ball, and it, this isn't a situation of like he, he can throw the ball a mile. Yes, he can, but he can put it into some pretty pinpoint accurate. Like he can throw the ball accurately and into tight windows, which is the biggest difference I think we see from quarterbacks at the college level to the pro level is what's open in the NFL. It's not open yet. Well, it's um, it's it's way it, the, the windows are so much tighter. So, like I I think Michael Peggs will now be a first round pick. Do you? And honestly, I Ooh. think I think in the first in the top half of the first round. Really, I I don't. I think there's so many quarterback you, needy teams that somebody will take him uh, early. I think he falls. I'll be. Well, this will be a good topic to talk about. Do you see a little like some Tua in him? Just because he's, left-handed. he's left-handed, yeah, yeah. I guess. Eh? <laughs> uh, I can. I, yeah. I think he's got a stronger arm than Tua overall. Uh, I think that his decision making can be profiled. I think he's a more dynamic runner mm-hmm. uh, than Tua was, even at the college level. So I, I, I think he just profiles out as a like a good all-around quarterback and football player that reads. Um, plays really well. I'll be honest. I thought they were going to lose on that final drive because I was telling myself, I mean, Washington's defense has been an issue all year. It came to play in this one big time, especially their yeah. front. Um, but I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, it just goes to show as the, the night the Pac-12 dies, there's only one thing we know for sure. The only thing worse than a Big 12 defense is a Pac-12 defense. <laughs> and that uh, thankfully did not come to fruition because I was hoping for Washington. They, much like uh, Michigan earlier, they deserve to win that game. It was basically one bad play call where they should have ran the ball um, on their second last possession before kicking the field goal instead of throwing a pass to stop the clock. And then, of course, the unfortunate injury um, to your running back that stops the clock in Texas's favor uh, to give them basically an extra 30 seconds on that final drive. So uh, Quinn Ewers was not uh, not particularly good in the game, but uh, I think the two better teams, um, at least from this weekend, ended up winning their games, and I'm excited for the Natty. Coming up to 9 o'clock in Edmonton, it is still 2-2, Canada and Czech. Yeah, they got, uh, well, under a minute left or so in the game, 2-2, and it's looking more and more like overtime, second overtime game in the World Junior quarterfinals earlier this morning. Finland over Slovakia, 4-3 in overtime. So 2-2, Canada and Czech. Uh, Michael Rabel has made a couple of big saves for Canada. Matthew Wood, Jake Furlong, the goal scorers for Canada in the second period. Canada trailed 2-0 after 20 minutes, but Wood and Furlong in the second make it 2-2, and now they are just closing out the third period and looking more and more like overtime in Sweden. Uh, When we come back, we will check in with Jeff Baker, Seattle Times, 
to talk about yesterday's Winter Classic. And we are so excited to announce a new sponsor for a kind of a segment here on uh, Sports 1440. Very excited to have Tommy Guns join the fold. Uh, so... Time now for a Sports 1440 update at uh, 8.55. We'll be doing this every day at 8.55 for Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience, our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke. 